by Miserab, page 173, part 7. On the following morning, at least two hours before day, Thenardier, seated at a table in the barroom, a candle by his side with pen in hand, was making out the bill of the traveler in the yellow coat. His wife was standing, half bent over him, following him with her eyes. Not a word passed between them. It was, on one side, a profound meditation. On the other, that religious admiration with which we observe a marvel of the human mind spring up and expand. A noise was heard in the house. It was the lark sweeping the stairs. After a good quarter of an hour and some erasures, the Nardier produced his masterpiece. Then he went out. He was scarcely out of the room when the traveler came in. The Nardier reappeared immediately behind him and remained motionless in the half-open door visible only to his wife. The yellow man carried his staff and bundle in his hand. Up so soon, said the Thenadius. Is monsieur going to leave us already? The traveler appeared preoccupied and absent-minded. He answered, yes, madame, I am going away. Monsieur then had no business at, at Montfermeil, replied she. No, I am passing through. That is all, madame. What do I owe? The Thenadius, without answering, handed him the folded bill. The man unfolded the paper and looked at it, but his thoughts were evidently elsewhere. Madame replied he, do you do a good business in Montfermeil? So, so, monsieur, answered the Thenadius, stupefied at seeing no other explosion. She continued in a mournful and lamenting strain, oh, monsieur, the times are very hard, and then we have so few rich people around here. It is a very little place, you see. If we only had rich travelers now and then, like monsieur, we have so many expenses. Why, that little girl eats us out of house and home. The man replied in a voice in which he endeavored to render indifferent and in which there was slight tremulousness. Suppose you were relieved of her. Who? Cosette? Yes. The red and violent face of the woman became illumined with a hideous expression. Ah, monsieur, my good monsieur! Take her, keep her, take her away, carry her off, sugar her, stuff her, drink her, eat her, and be blessed by the Holy Virgin and all the saints in paradise. Agreed. Really, you will take her away? I will. Immediately? Immediately. Call the child. Cosette! cried the Thinad, yes. In the meantime, continued the man, I will pay my bill. How much is it? He cast a glance at the bill and could not repress a movement of surprise. Twenty-three francs. At this moment, Thénardier advanced into the middle of the room and said, Monsieur, those twenty-six sous. Twenty-six sous? exclaimed the woman. Twenty sous for the room, continued Thénardier coldly, and six for supper. As to the little girl, I must have some talk with Monsieur about that. Leave us, wife. The Thénardier was dazzled by one of those unexpected flashes which emanate from talent. She felt that the great actor had entered upon the scene answered not a word, and went out. As soon as they were alone, Thénardier offered the traveler a chair. The traveler sat down, but Thénardier remained standing, and his face assumed a singular expression of good nature and simplicity. Monsieur, said he, listen, I must say that I adore this child. The stranger looked at him steadily. What child? Thénardier continued, how strangely we become attached, this child I adore. Who is that? asked the stranger. Ah, our little Cosette, and you wish to take her away from us? Indeed, I speak frankly, as true as you are an honorable man, I cannot consent to it. I should miss her. 
I've had her since she was very small. It is true she costs us money. It is true she has her faults. It is true we are not rich. It is true I paid 400 francs for medicines at one time when she was sick. But we must do something for God. She has neither father nor mother. I have brought her up. I have bread enough for her and for myself. In fact, I must keep this child. You understand, we have affections. I am a good beast myself. I do not reason. I love this little girl. My wife is hasty, but she loves her also. You see, she is like our own child. I feel the need of her prattle in the house. The stranger was looking steadily at him all the while. He continued, pardon me, excuse me, monsieur, but one does not give his child like that to a traveler. Isn't it true that I am right? After that, I don't say you, you are rich and have the appearance of a very fine man, if it is for her advantage, but I must know about it. You understand? On the supposition that I should let her go and sacrifice my own feelings, I should want to know where she is going. I would not want to lose sight of her. I should want to know who she was with, that I might come and see her now and then, and that she might know that her good foster father was still watching over her. Finally, there are things which are not possible. I do not know even your name. If you should take her away, I should say, alas, for the little lark, where she has she gone? I must at least some poor rag of paper, a bit of passport, something. The stranger, without removing from him this gaze which went, so to speak, to the bottom of his conscience, answered in a severe and firm tone. Monsieur Thénardier, people do not take a passport to come five leagues from Paris. If I would take Cosette, I take her, that is all. You will not know my name, you will not know my abode, you will not see, know where she goes, and my intention is that she shall never see you again in her life. Do you agree to that, yes or no? As demons and genie recognized by certain signs the presence of a superior god, Thénardier comprehended that he was to deal with one who was very powerful. It came like an intuition. He understood it with his clear and quick sagacity. Although during the evening he had been drinking with the wagoners, smoking and drinking body, singing body songs, he was still observing the stranger all the while. He had surprised the searching glances of the old man constantly returning to the child. Why this interest? Why this man? Why was so much money in his purse, this miserable dress? These were questions which he put to himself without being able to answer them, and they irritated him. He had been thinking it over all night. This could not be Cosette's father. Was it a grandfather? Then why did he not make himself known at once? When a man has a right, he shows it. This man evidently had no right to Cosette. Then who was he? Thénardier was lost in conjectures. He caught glimpses of everything but saw nothing. However it might be when he commenced the conversation with this man, sure that there was a secret in all this, sure that the man had an interest in remaining unknown, he felt himself strong. At the stranger's clear and firm answer, when he saw that this mysterious personage was mysterious and nothing more, he felt weak. He was expecting nothing of the kind. His conjectures were put to flight. He rallied his ideas. He weighed all in a second. Thénardier was one of those men who comprehend a situation at a glance. He decided that this was the moment to advance straightforward and swiftly. He did what great captains do at that decisive instant, which they alone can recognize. He unmasked his battery at once. Monsieur, said he, I must have 1,500 francs. The stranger took from his side pocket an old black leather pocketbook, opened it, and drew forth three bank bills, which he placed upon the table. 
He then rested his large thumb on these bills and said to the tavern keeper, Bring Cosette. An instant after, Cosette entered the bar room. The stranger took the bundle he had brought and untied it. This bundle contained a little woolen frock, an apron, a coarse cotton undergarment, a petticoat, a scarf, woolen stockings, and shoes. A complete dress for a girl of seven years. It was all in black. My child, said the man, take this and go and dress yourself quick. The day was breaking when one of those of the inhabitants of Montfermeil, who were beginning to open their doors, saw pass on the road to Paris a poorly clad good man, leading a little girl dressed in mourning who had a pink doll in her arms. They were going toward Livry. It was the stranger and Cosette. No one recognized the man, as Cosette was not now in tatters. Few recognized her. Cosette was going away. With whom? She was ignorant. Where? She knew not. All she understood was that she was leading behind the Thénardier Chapas. No one had thought of bidding her goodbye, nor had she of bidding goodbye to anybody. She went out from that house, hated and hating. Poor gentle being, whose heart had only been crushed hitherto. Cosette walked seriously along, opening her large eyes and looking at the sky. From time to time she looked at the good man. She felt somewhat as if she were near God. On the evening of the same day, Jean Valjean entered Paris again at nightfall with the child by the Barrier de Monsieur. There he took a cabriolet, which carried him as far as the esplanade of the observatory. There he got out, paid the driver, took Cosette by the hand, and both in the darkness of the night, through the deserted streets in the vicinity of Lourcine and La Glacière, walked toward the boulevard de l'Hôpital. The day had been strange and full of emotion for Cosette. They had eaten behind hedges, bread and cheese, bought at isolated chop houses. They had often changed carriages and had traveled short distances on foot. She did not complain, but she was tired. And Jean Valjean perceived it by pulling her more heavily at his hand while walking. He took her in his arms. Cosette, without letting go of Catherine, laid her head on Jean Valjean's shoulder and went to sleep.